Well, I'm excited. I have had a blast this morning, um, just what we're teaching today. And uh, we're talking about the greatest story ever. I mean, there's a lot of stories out there. And uh, we're looking at the greatest story ever. It happens to be found in the Bible. It happens to be the Bible. Did you know this is the number one best-selling book of all times? Do you know this is also the number one most stolen book of all times? It's the number one most needed book of all times. And it's the number one most feared books. And it's an incredible book. And it's not just a book. And uh, this is God-breathed, God-inspired. This is God's story. And we're looking at a meta-narrative, a big story uh, that unfolds. And it's God's story. And here's the wonderful thing. You and I are in the story. And the story continues. And uh, my prayer is that today we'll be able to see some things of how this all fits together so that this is not just uh, 66 books and a bunch of stories and some history and some poetry and some, uh, you know, uh, different things going on here trying to put it together. It's not just a collection here. You need to see this as one big narrative, one big story. And my prayer is today some, some eyes will really be open to this. I think you're going to be really encouraged by what we look at today. Amen? Let me uh, go back here. And uh, we kind of set up some mile markers last week to help us understand. First of all, y'all with me this morning? I don't want a bunch of sleepy, sloppy people leaning over on each other, passing out, looking like a wax museum. Okay, I want, I want you wide awake and with me because this is, hey, I already heard this message twice today and numerous times over the last few days, okay? Um, this is for you. Do you realize that? And, and this is actually going to help all of us. So we've got a couple of mile markers set up in this big, big story. And the first one, I'll just give you a symbol for it. First of all, it's creation to be on the screen. Everybody say creation. And then from creation, shortly after the creation was the fall. Everybody say the fall. And that's the original sin, the fall of mankind. Um, God's original design now is distorted. And then God has a plan in place that we'll look at today. And that's a plan of rescue. It's a plan of redemption. Everybody say redemption. Now, let me qualify and kind of define redemption for you a little bit. Um, it all ends up that, that when you redeem something, it can mean that you ransomed. You know, a ransom was paid, you know, and that redeemed. Uh, some exchange is made to put something in a certain place. Uh, ultimately, what it means is something takes place, something happens that puts things right, that makes things right. And so we see that we have this beautiful creation that God said it is good. And then we've got fall, the entrance of sin. And now God does something, this we're going to kind of look at today, to make things right. And it's called redemption. And then ultimately it ends, although the story goes on, you do understand that's this is an eternal story. Um, but it ultimately ends in consummation. Everybody say consummation. And that's like this big ending. And at the end of the story, every person ever created, the scripture says that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. And the Bible says that to him will be glory and honor and power and praise forever and ever and ever, come on, and ever, and ever. It's all his. And we find that right now in, in heaven, and then when we get to heaven, we're going to see that there's worship going up to God because of two things. It says that he's worthy to receive all that praise. It's number one, because he is the creator. 
And it's very clear in the book of Revelation because he's the creator and also because he's the redeemer. And know this about our God. He can make things and he can fix things. I said our God can make things and our God can fix things. And to him will be all the glory. Amen. Well, we're going to pick up here. Uh, Creation is completed. And God says when it's all done, I gave you a a clue just a few minutes ago. When God was all done, he he said of creation, he said it is what? He didn't go, that's okay. No, he said it is good. It is good. Shortly thereafter, man falls. Man has been created in the likeness and the image of God. This is God's highest work. And now man turns aside from God and that's that's the fall. You need to know this up front. God only ever intended uh, good for mankind. Please know this. That from the beginning, God only ever intended good for mankind. But it was through man's independence. It was through man's disobedience. What's that called? Sin. It was through that that the door was opened. That the windows were knocked out. And... Death came and corruption came and injustice came and hate came and all of those things came in as a result of sin. And sin ruins. Matter of fact, in Romans chapter 5 verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as through one man, and that was Adam, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin entered the world and thus death spread to all men, Because all sinned. And so what we've got here is through that original sin, that opened up the fall and God intended good for all mankind. That's all he ever wanted for for mankind. He wanted to bless mankind. He wanted to dwell with mankind. He wanted mankind to be provided for. And it was sin and disobedience, the independence. That's what opened this up. And, And it said through sin... Sin entering the world, then death entered, and guess what? And everything in between. Everything even less than death. And that's where we're talking about sickness and hatred and and injustice and prejudice and all the other evil, ugly stuff. That came in as a result of that. But God's intention, his original design, was a beautiful thing called paradise. Are Are you with me so far? And then man tries to do for himself what only God can do for him. And, and man continues to do that. We continue to try to take on ourselves and do for ourselves what only God can do for us. And one of the first signs of that was man was so covered. Everybody say covered. Man was so covered. You ever heard the phrase, I got you covered? You know, man was so covered with God's glory, his presence, his power, his goodness, that man didn't even know he was naked. He didn't know he had any need, any problem at all. And now because he stepped out of that because of his own, and I'm going to use the phrase again, independence and sin because he stepped out of that. Now man's going to try to do for himself what only God can do and he's going to cover himself. And so Adam and Eve, the scripture says, sewed together fig leaves and made a little loincloth and an apron. Don't try to picture it. Okay. (laughs) Just keep going here. And so it's ridiculous. This is ridiculous. And... uh, Instead of having the glory and presence of God cover you, you got a little fig leaf ensemble, you know? And here's the thing. If God's not covering you, you're, you're really, you're not covered. You're not covered. And it's interesting to me over Mark chapter 11 then, Jesus curses a fig tree. 
It was another occasion, another meaning, but to me it's kind of interesting, kind of significant that he cursed a, a fig tree. Well, let's keep going. God is merciful and kind, but he's holy. And God is loving and he's good. God is loving and he's good, but he's just. And so God had this beautiful, original, perfect thing set up. And man, through independence and disobedience, distorts that, ruins that. And because God is holy and because God is just, he's kind, he's good, he's merciful, he's loving. But he's holy and he's just. He has to address it. He has to come now and and deal with this. So he comes and we find in Genesis 3.14, he starts out by addressing the serpent. Now, remember, we're thinking of this as a whole big story. Okay, y'all with me? Bob, your head, do something here. We got this whole big story going on. In every great story, you're going to have a protagonist. Okay, the protagonist is your chief character. That's uh, the hero of the story, and that would be God. And it would be God in this way. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And watch me. These three are one. And this one is three. But Father, Son, Holy Spirit, protagonist, hero, main character. All right, you with me? And then we have an antagonist, and that's the bad guy, and that's, that's the devil, and he took on the form of a serpent here early on in the story. And then in the middle of all that, you've got the agonist, agonist, and that's, that's us, that's humankind, and we have a free will. And so we kind of react to and respond to the protagonist and or the antagonist. And so we've got the agonist, Adam and Eve here, and enter the excuse me, the antagonist, and he deceives and he tempts, and now we are where we are with the fall. So God has kind of called in everybody. He's kind of holding court at this point, and it begins by addressing the serpent, which which is Satan. It's the devil. It's it's the antagonist. Y'all, you still with me here? We're going to cover a whole lot, so I'm going to check on you a lot. Make sure you're still on the bus. Okay. Make sure nobody fell out. Uh, At this point, he addresses the serpent and he says, you are cursed because of what you've done. You've cursed because of what you've done. And there's some things that imply in the the original language. He said, you're going to crawl on your belly in the dust the rest of your days. There's some things to imply that prior to that point, snakes or serpents were more upright. And now just part of the curse, he just puts him down in the dust. And then we go to verse 15. And this verse is huge. Let's look here in Genesis 3.15. In the New International Version, it says this. And I, and I'll point out who is who here. And I, and that's, that's God. I, God, will put enmity or hatred between you, the serpent or Satan, and the woman. And between your offspring, Satan's offspring, seed or offspring of Satan, and her offspring or seed. Okay. And I want you to notice this, her offspring, her seed. And now we go to the next word, go to the next slide there. And he, everybody say he, her offspring, her seed, he say it again. He, he will what will crush, crush your head. I like it. Y'all are too Sunday school for me. He should have said, give a dirty look. No, crush his head. Okay. He will crush your head, Satan. And you will, I'll give you this, you will strike his heel. And what this is pointing to actually is the work tied to this of the cross. Okay. Now this verse is significant and you should mark it in your Bible, whether or not you even understand it. 
because of how significant it is. This is the first prophecy. This is the first prophecy of the Messiah. This is the first mention foreshadowing. This is the first prophecy of the Savior coming into the world to make something right. Because something was so good and right and it got so messed up because of the antagonist and his influence and his deception that came in there. Somebody's got to make things right. And God says, yeah, we're going to make it right. And so what this begins to show us is there's a Messiah coming. There's a Savior that will come into the world. And this is what we need to see right from the beginning here. God has a plan in place. Now, this verse also points out to us, and this is awesome, that there will be an ultimate victory. Y'all, I'm going to tell you, 8, 30, and 10 got y'all whooped at this point now. I I need need y'all to ratchet up. There will be an ultimate victory. Y'all watching the news all the time and you get bogged down in the day-to-day and everything's on a 24-hour news cycle anyway. And it all changes and you can, you can Google it. Go do it when you get home. Go get you a good lunch and go home and Google, okay? And look up headlines from 100 years ago. And it's the same stuff. It's literally the same political problems. The same world problems. It's just different people. It's different players. It's the same kind of stuff going along because the antagonist is not creative. And so the same, same things keep going on and on. And we get bogged down in the day-to-day and this and this and this. How many times do we have to keep going through the same thing, same thing, same thing to see that God is faithful and God is able to work things out? But ultimately, ultimately, whole shooting match over, whole dog and pony show, pony show, all boxed up and trucked away. This is what we find. There is an ultimate victory. And God will win. And so I recommend you be on his team. Okay, be on his team. But this also, this also points out, in addition to the ultimate victory, it also points out that there's going to be a long continued struggle. Now, I don't have time to go into all of this today. We are redeemed from the curse of the law. But we still have to deal with the curse of the fall. There's still pain in childbirth. There's still, you still labor and sweat and draw things out of the ground by the sweat of your brow. There's still some things that go along with the fall because we're still on this earth and because the fullness and consummation of all this has not yet come. And so we've got all of this going on here and this addresses ultimate victory will come. But in the meantime, there's a long continued struggle. All right, go with me on this. How many of you feel the struggle? How many of you are in the struggle? And the struggle ultimately has to do with a battle, a struggle between good and evil, between light and dark, between spirit and flesh, between lies or truth and lies, and between God and the devil. There's this struggle. There's a struggle. It's still going on. And you need to know that. It will help you just to know, oh, that, that goes with this. You know, sometimes a doctor gives you a medicine, there's a little side effect or something. You broke out in a little rash and you, you're worried about that. And they go, no, that goes with it. And if you just know it kind of goes with it. If you get a motorcycle suddenly and you have bugs on your face and, and then you realize, no, that kind of goes, kind of goes with it. Are you all with me? So as long as we're here, there's some, you're going to have some bugs on your face. All right. Ultimate victory will come though, but we are in this long and continued struggle. It's going to be a struggle on a grand scheme and it's going to be a struggle on a private level. And Jesus, he even talked about this in John 8, 44, talking about the devil 
the antagonist, he said he was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. He still is and he was all the way from the beginning. And he still is. He still is. So all of that going on. Now let's move on and look at a couple of things. And then we're going to head to um, uh, where we're headed with this today. In verse 9 of Genesis 3, it says, Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Let's note a couple of things. God came into the garden and he called out to Adam. That's one thing. And he said. So it's two different things that are going on. He's calling out to this person that he would walk in the cool of the day with. This first created being made in his likeness and image. They had great intentions for. He's calling out for him and he says to him, where are you? You need to know this, that whenever God asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. Uh, And when God is asking this question, where are you? How many of you know that he had not, he really had not lost track of Adam? That's like a two-year-old trying to hide from you, okay? Come find me, you know? And so God knew where he was, but here's, here's the point. Adam, where are you? Because sin separates us from God, and when you're separated from God, hear, hear this, when you're separated from God by sin, you're lost. And Adam was lost. This is what we've got to see in this, though. God is seeking man. Man is not seeking God. When man tries to, quote, seek God, that's really kind of laughable. Because if it was not God stirring and initiating something in you, you wouldn't know to look to God. You wouldn't have the lack of peace or the draw or the pull. I'm going to go ahead and undo some religious language for you here just a little bit. Some people say, I found God. No, you didn't. He wasn't lost. He wasn't lost. He never was lost. I get what you're saying, but it's God found you. Amen. And there's one place in, in uh, and I, I wish I'd done the work on this because it's occurred to me during the services here. Maybe I'll bring it back next week. But there's a place where it says, seek him and you'll find him in the Old Testament. And in the Hebrew, it pulls out the fact that I will let you find me. And so there's, we are to seek God in our growth of him in our, in our Christian life. But ultimately, you need to know that it's God seeking man. It's not, it's not man seeking God. None of us have the spiritual wherewithal. We don't have enough integrity of ourselves. You know what I need to do? I need to seek God. If you ever say that, it's because God is stirring that in you. You need to know that God seeks man. God seeks man. And all through this great story, it's God seeking man. God seeking man because of his love for him. And he wants to help you. And he wants to bring salvation to you. Can I get an amen on that this morning? Now, let's think about this verse 15 again. God had a plan. You know, that he said, uh, her seed, her offspring will crush your head. This incredible, important, pivotal, prophetic verse that's, that's right here. He says, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And what this shows us is God had a plan already in place. Now, that's going to be more and more to you as we go along here in these next few moments. In the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 13, verse 8, we won't look at it right now, but it talks about the lamb, and and you know that he's the sacrificial lamb, that's Jesus, the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. Other translations say he was slain, and this is in concept now, so it's a plan. He's slain before the world was created. He was slain before the world was made. 
And you go, why is that? And we'll unfold more of this in a moment here. And it's because God can see. It's because God knows. We're going to find language in scripture that says that he foreknew. And we also see language that he foreordained. Now follow this. God is God and God can see. How many of you know he can see further than you? God can see and God knows. And so God sees and knows things because he's God that will happen. Things not necessarily that he wanted to happen. Wasn't things that he'd hoped would happen, but he sees that they will happen. And you know what he's able to do then because he's God. I see that and I know that. You know what he's also able to do right up front? Excuse me. He's able to plan. He's able to plan. So before the foundation of the world, he already had the plan of salvation in place. Listen to me. God had a plan and he, had, he already had it in place. Some of y'all are looking at me like I'm reading the phone book. This is good, good news. In First Peter, everybody say Peter. It's going to be important just for a, a, a point here in just a moment. First Peter chapter 1 verse 18. It says, knowing that you were not redeemed. Okay, that's our big word. This is what we're after, redeemed. You were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers. But implied, but with, so he's saying, but you were redeemed. You were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb, watch this, without blemish and without spot. You know, he's saying he was sinless. He was perfect. Who is saying this? Who is writing this? I had you repeat it just a minute ago. Peter. And who is Peter? Peter was with Jesus for three and a half years, virtually 24-7. And Peter is saying, I was with him all the time and everything. He's perfect. He's perfect. That's just interesting to me. Verse 20. He indeed, talking about the lamb, talking about Christ. He indeed was foreordained. Remember that? We just talked about that. He was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but manifest in these last times for you. So God had a plan. Everybody say, God had a plan already in place. God had the plan already in place. Now listen to this. The cross was not an ambulance sent to a wreck. The cross was not just a reactionary thing of God. Um, We're going to see in the news over the next few weeks on Capitol Hill that they're going to be battling about the budget again because they never solved that and they never have in recent years. And so they do what they say, they kick the can down the road. Well, we're a little further down the road and we're about to come on up on that again. And there's going to be talks about government shutdown and all this stuff. Again, how many of you know we've seen it all before, okay? And so we're going to see that all again, and here's why. Because on Capitol Hill, they're reactionary. And I don't care if they're Republican, Democrat, Tea Party, Shmi Party, whatever they are, everybody's kind of reactionary, and they've got their plan, and, and then they want to argue, I've got a plan, I've got a plan, and they've just got to argue, and they just can't, they just impasse on, on everything. Please pray, and also please pray, Jesus, come quickly. But anyway... So you're going to see that all happen again, and it's going to be, we've got to do something, we've got to have a fix, and it's going to go up. You'll see it again to the last 11th hour, you know, Congress trying to come together to work, to work something out. And it's because they're human, and, be, well, I have other opinions, but they have, they have a lot of things going on there. But God, everybody say, but God. 
God, the cross was not some ambulance sent to a wreck. Follow me on this. God knew all along that Tim Gilligan would need a savior. God knew all along that Carl would need a savior. That Mike, you'd need a savior. Michelle, you would need a savior. God knew all along we needed. So this is not some reactionary. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? God had a plan before all of this started. You need to know this. This is, this is the greatest story ever. He had this plan before the world ever started. And he knew that you and I would need a savior. And he had that plan and he had it in place. Now watch this. And I got into this a few minutes ago, but let's look in Isaiah 46, verse nine and verse 10. The Lord says, remember the former things of old. For I am God. Watch this. I am God. And then almost parenthetical, he says, there is no other. Church, look at me. He's God and there is no other. He goes on to say again, I am God. And then almost parenthetical again, he says, and there's none like me. He goes on then to say something about himself. I can do this because I'm God. There's no other God. There's nobody else can do this. Only I can do this. And here... It's what he says here in Isaiah 46, verse 10, declaring the end, declaring the end from the beginning. Now, let me stop and I'll come back to this verse in a moment. You're also in the next few weeks going to see on the newsstand, like at, at, you know, the grocery store, you're checking out and there's all the mints and candies and, and, you know, magazines. Did you know that literally... Billions of dollars are spent every year on those last minute things. Oh, I think I need breath mints and I want to read about UFOs and Billy Graham and, you know, and, and so we get all this stuff at the, and we got our inquiring minds. Well, guess what? With all those little magazines and tabloids that, that will be there, there's going to be a lot of them with these kind of headlines. Predictions, predictions for 2014. I want you to look at me for a moment. They don't know. They don't know. They don't know. And people will try to scare you. And the biggest reason they try to scare you is because they want some of this. They'll try, they'll try to scare you. Listen to me. He is God. There's none other. Amen. He is God. There's none like him. Nobody can tell you except him. And he says, here's one of the things I can do because I'm God. And I'm the only one who can do this. He said, I can declare the end from the beginning. Look at this next passage here. He said, and from Ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel, my plan shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Only God can do that. And God declares the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done, but I will. All my counsel will stand. I will perform all my pleasure. And God has a plan. Everybody say a plan. And here's the plan. You ready? Here's the plan. Redemption accomplished through Jesus Christ. Redemption accomplished through Jesus Christ. All right, you you ready? We're going to shift gears a little bit. You ready? Make sure your neighbor's with us. All right. We're going to shift gears here. Everything in the Bible. I'm, I'm about to help you a lot here. Everything in the Bible develops two ideas. This whole thing is about two ideas. Everything in the Bible develops two ideas. Everything in the Bible foreshadows two things. Here they are. Number one, the coming of Jesus Christ. The second thing is this, 
the work of the cross and resurrection from the dead. Everything in the Bible develops those two ideas. Everything foreshadows and comes down to those two things. I want to go over them again. I'm going to make it memorable for you in a moment here. Number one, everything in there is about the coming of Jesus Christ. And everything in there is about the work he would accomplish, the work of the cross, and resurrection of the dead. Everything in the Bible develops these two ideas. Ready? The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at me. Merry Christmas. And the second thing is the work that he would accomplish, the work of the cross, and the resurrection from the dead. Happy Easter. And that's why we celebrate. Now, there's a word called, in in Bible interpretation theology, is called typology. Everybody say typology. Don't you just feel smarter? All right. Let me take a moment. I need to get personal just just for a moment here. And please, I want you to hear my heart and hear my heart right on this, okay? Um, I have been in school for a number of years. I've gone back. And you'll go, you're old, though. I know. But... uh, I want to be a lifelong learner. I want to continue to grow. I want to continue to learn. I want to be able to serve you the best that I can. I want to be able to serve my God the best that I can and serve his kingdom the best that I can. So I've been back in school and I'm now in my, in my doctoral program and I'm learning and I'm learning so much and I'm working hard, but I'm learning so much. And as I learn things, concepts and terms and definitions and things click and come together for me. And, and I'm, like I said, I'm working hard, but I'm learning so much when, and I have been sharing these things with you, but when I learn these things, I'm not going to hide them, nor am I going to be pretentious. I'm not going to come back and, you know, the hermeneutical exegetical, you know, we're not, we're not going to get pretentious with this. That that's upsetting. That's disturbing. That's nauseating. We don't want to do that, but nor am I going to hide this from you. I'm doing this for you so that we can learn and, and get a hold of these concepts and tie things together so that we all can learn and grow. Amen. I'm not going to try to hide it and come out here, the Bible is God's word. You know, I, I, we're not going to dumb this thing down. I'm going to share things with you. And again, not for you to be pretentious either, but I guarantee you when you go to lunch today, you'll be one of the few who knows what typology is. Okay, so we're doing this together. So when I share some of these things, don't think that we're, we're trying to get academic or, or, or something with this. We just want to learn and put all this together. You're going to thank me for typology here in just a moment. Everybody say typology. And what typology is, let's shift back into this. Typology is a person, place, thing, or event in the Old Testament that foreshadows a person, place, event, or thing in the New Testament. And so pretty much what it is, is something that would happen, a person, place, thing, or event in the Old Testament that's going to show us come, come future, it's going to show us what, what Jesus is like and what he would accomplish. And so as I, as I shared with you last week, and you've heard this before, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. But the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. 
And we'll see that in the Old Testament, there are things that happen, people that did things, and we see those things. And if you'll put it all together, it will help you to see the big story. And you'll see that Jesus is all the way through the Bible. And you'll see that God's plan is all the way through the Bible. It's not just a collection of stories and poems and cool stuff that happened or somebody made it. It all goes together and it's part of God's plan. One of the first uh, issues of typology here was... In Genesis 3.21, remember that Adam and Eve had the little fig leaf ensemble. And it says that the Lord came in and he made for them tunics of skins. Which if you understand what just took place there, something had to die. And so the first typology in the Bible is sacrificial blood. Some innocent animals had to die for the sins of some people. The innocent had to shed their blood. What is that? That's pointing right to the cross. It's pointing to the Lamb of God that went to the cross. He was innocent. He knew no sin, but he became sin for us. And we see it all in, all over the scripture. We see Abraham taking his only son. There's typology. It's God and Jesus. Abraham taking his only son. And then we see a secondary typology where then when He's ready to bring the knife down. Said, don't do it because God has provided the sacrifice for himself. And we see the Passover lamb. And we see the blood put on the door to cover you, to protect you. We see manna rain down the bread that comes from heaven. We see the rock that water came out of. He is the rock of our salvation. The water coming out of that rock, he said in John 6, he said, if you'll drink of the water that I will give you, you'll never thirst again. We got Moses, who's a deliverer, and and Jesus, who's a deliverer. And we find Moses way back that the evil leader of the time, because, because he knew a deliverer was coming, influenced by the enemy, but also he was jealous and he was insecure. He said, what? Kill every male child two years and younger. What happened when Jesus was born? And the wise men came to Herod and he's trying to figure out the timing. He's jealous. He's insecure. He's also influenced by the antagonist. What does he say? Kill all male children two years and younger. And so everything that we see happening in the Old Testament, it's, it's a type. It's a shadow. It's going to point us ahead. It's going to show us what Jesus was like. It's going to show us the work that he would do. Listen to me. Jesus is everywhere in the Bible. Jesus is the message of the Bible. Jesus is in every book of the Bible, he's, he's the guy. Um, if you get the echo, echo is, uh, an email that we put out. It's free. You can subscribe to it and then you get, get the email. And I think it also shows up on our app and sermon notes are on there. And again, it's free. Um, we just want to get the word to you. If you get that, um, you'll get, when you get the sermon notes from this message, I'm going to include in there, uh, a list of Jesus in every book of the Bible. I'll, I'll give you a list so that you can see in, in Genesis, he was this in Exodus. He was this, and you can, you can see that all the way through. And if you just read it, you're going to get happy before you're even out of the old Testament, you know, and it's just, it's just a list. You can, you can read it in just one set in there, but we're, we'll, we'll make sure that you have that. God had a plan folks and it's redemption through Jesus. I want to go back and share one, one other verse with you and then we'll, we'll wrap, this, wrap this up this morning. Um, Jesus was on the road to Emmaus after his resurrection. Y'all with me? You've got a resurrected Jesus. He's walking on this road to Emmaus and he's with two of the disciples. 
And somehow he keeps them from knowing it's him. And they're talking and they're walking along. And it says here in Luke 24, verse 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, expounded to them in scriptures the things concerning him. Now, they kept walking and then they had like a little cookout kind of thing on the beach. And then the Bible says that he, this is so cool. This is the greatest story ever. He let them know it was him. And then it says he vanished. I told you, it's the greatest story ever. He vanished. And here's the thing. And, and this is the thing for us. This will be a takeaway here. They said, did not our hearts burn within us as we walked along that road and he opened the scriptures to us? And what that really is saying is it all came together for us when he showed us. And I'll go back to verse 27 and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, that's why they were walking. He expounded to them in all the scripture, the things concerning him. He showed them, I'm all through the book. And he said, that opened up the scripture. If you want the Bible to connect for you, you've got to see this. Listen to me. Jesus is in every book of the Bible. Jesus is the message of the Bible. This is all about God's plan. And the key player in this is the savior of all mankind, Jesus Christ. And all scripture, all scripture develops towards these two things. The coming of Jesus Christ. Merry Christmas. And his work on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. Happy Easter. And all that comes together to show us that God, God had a plan already in place. That is the greatest story ever. Did you get anything at all out of that this morning? Real quick. I I just want to share this with you real quick and then we'll wrap things up this morning. Remember I told you earlier that there's a long continued struggle and it's still on. Could I see by a show of hands how many of you feel that struggle, you're aware of that struggle? How many of you are in that struggle, you you feel that? Why, I need to remind you today, there will be an ultimate victory. There will be an ultimate victory. But your question might be, okay, that's good. That's good that ultimately there'll be a victory. But what do we do in the meantime? What do we do now while we're waiting for that during this long, continued struggle? And I'm so glad you asked. Because in Romans uh, chapter 16, verse 20, it says, In the God of peace, watch this carefully, in the God of peace will, that's future tense, the God of peace will, future tense, help me out, what does it say? You got it? Where's this verse? Where's this verse? Romans 16, 20. Where's my verse? And the God of peace will, future tense, crush Satan. Do you remember we read that earlier? Oh, I wish that verse was up there. It will crush Satan. Say it, crush Satan under your feet shortly. There it is. And the God, read it with me. And the God of peace will, that's future tense, will, future, that's the ultimate victory, will what? Crush Satan. We read that. That was early in the plan. We'll crush Satan under your feet shortly. That's still future tense. Look at the rest of this here with me here. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Guess what that is? Present tense. Present tense. And it closes with a big amen. amen. There's an ultimate victory coming. 
And if God's so big to plan all of that out, to end up with a win, if he can do something on that level, how about at your address? He can, he can do something. The big victory's coming. In the meantime, we've got the grace of God to help us, to strengthen us, and to carry us through. And for that, we say amen. 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 Can you give God praise for this this morning? Thank you, Lord.